Welcome to the Press On Podcast. Expect to be inspired, challenged, and strengthened. In this episode, we'll hear from Miranda Peel on freedom from control. I don't know if your family are anything like mine, but if they are, then you may have experienced similar mixed feelings on a rainy Saturday afternoon. Excitement at all being together in the same place for the afternoon, concern that there is enough to do without boredom kicking in, and dread that someone's mood can be put out of place with the roll of the dice. Often the chosen activity was to play a board game, something we all enjoyed, despite tensions fluctuating depending on who was winning. The game that heightened these tensions the most definitely had to be the game of life. If you've never played it, the game is pretty simple. You roll a dice to make your way through life, landing on different squares that determine your destiny. For example, different squares give you children, make you change your job, or win the lottery. If only life were so simple. The winner is the person who ends with the most money, which is influenced largely by your salary, picked up each turn and dependent on the job you have, and how much you manage to invest but also by the randomness of the squares you land on. Before playing, we would ensure our kids all signed up to two simple extra rules, deemed to be extremely necessary from previous experience, that they had to finish playing the game once started, as the temptation for one of them to quit when they were losing was very high, and that emotional outburst had to be kept in check. This was generally managed until someone landed on the Sue another player square. At this point, there was a lot of heated discussion as to why they shouldn't be sued or why someone else should be. And you can imagine the roller coaster emotions in the room. I did often wonder if it was worth it, as I had to take the role of sympathiser, referee and competitor all at the same time. Those rainy afternoons were certainly an emotionally exhausting experience. On reflection, the game of life is really rather truer to life than any of us like to admit. The game is so unpredictable, so no one really knows who has the most money until the end, and at any point you could land on a square that could nearly bankrupt you. Although there is some opportunity to steer the direction of your life, this is very limited, and largely the randomness of the dice takes over. Our real lives are no different. We have no idea what's going to happen over the next 10, 20 or 30 years and yet we kid ourselves that we are in control of the direction of our life. 100 years ago, Western society had its authority located in the external. People would take their values and direction from a source outside of themselves. These external authorities, such as parents, churches, schools, etc., were looked up to for their decisions about what's right and wrong, and therefore they had a certain control over life. In recent years, the location of this authority has shifted away from the external to the internal. The replacement is individualism, where an individual looks inside themselves to determine right or wrong, and so becomes their own source of authority and control. The be true to yourself mantra has become the new way of doing life. And in this new culture, it's considered more important to be yourself and have control over your own destiny rather than to conform, with the ultimate goal being to throw off any external authority as it is deemed controlling and repressive.
we are encouraged to chase our dreams before anything else, to fulfil our desires and not give up pursuing our own happiness for anyone or anything. We may think that since we are Christ followers, we don't fall into this way of thinking. But really, none of us can escape the influence that society has on us. It is so subtle. It pervades our way of doing things. The chasing after our dreams mindset comes out in the desire to have more than food and clothing, which is all Paul says we need, in both physical and emotional things, such as the desire to be significant, relevant, popular and others. This need to have something more than we have now leads us to push to control our lives in order to achieve the things or status that we believe will give us fulfilment. We work hard to fulfil our dreams, whether they be the next holiday, something to make our home more comfortable, a family experience, higher status at work, etc., all believing that when we have achieved that one more thing, then we will be more fulfilled. I am sure we can fill in the blank for, I will be happy when... Whatever we put in that box is the thing that we believe will then make life easier and more fulfilling. Yet we actually have very little control over any of this. I've heard it muted that perhaps we only control around 15% of our lives. That means that 85% of our lives are not determined by what we do or how we do it. Life is actually very precarious, just like the board game. Fulfilling our dreams is maybe not as accessible as we like to believe, and to be honest, since it can fall over at any instance, it is exhausting trying to sustain it. Living this way means we are subject to constant worry that the things we've built around us, which we believe we need in order to be happy, might collapse. This could be our health. Can life be fulfilling without it? or our work, without which we can't afford the things we feel we need, or maybe we won't have the status we feel we deserve. Or it could be our family, without which we would feel lonely and lost. Or our reputation, maybe as someone who has life sorted, or is fun, or respected, all of which, if taken away, would make us feel insignificant. If any of these areas collapsed, we may be left thinking, who are we? Or how can we exist? These beliefs that we hold on to so very tightly form the basis of our mini kingdom and yet are the polar opposite of what Jesus teaches. He says, any of you who does not renounce all that he has cannot be my disciple. In Luke 14 verse 33. This is really simple and straightforward language, but it makes me feel very uncomfortable. Renounce all that I have? What does Jesus mean here? The temptation is so easy to find a way round this so that I'm not called to actually believe what Jesus is saying. Is he talking about renouncing all these things that I hang on to? The things my dreams are made of? The things I believe will make me happy? If he is saying I renounce all that I have, he must be talking about giving up my need for significance and control too. The sense in the original Greek is that unless we renounce all things, we won't be able to become a true disciple, that our actual ability to follow Christ will be stunted. It isn't about Jesus saying we won't be in the kingdom, but rather the fact that our transformation and healing will not be able to take place as too many other things will get in the way of the freedom he promises. 
Jesus wants to transform us into his likeness. And we can only make way for that when we are prepared to give up trying to control everything. When Jesus talks to the rich young ruler, as recorded in Matthew 19, Jesus tells him, If you want to be perfect, go, sell your possessions and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then, come, follow me. Notice the order of this. Jesus says he has to first sell all his possessions, second, give to the poor, and then he can follow Jesus. He had to get rid of all the stuff that was in the way in order to be able to follow. It might not be possessions for you, but all of us have things that get in the way that we keep hanging on to that we can't give up. Paul was someone who had mastered it as much as any human can. He says to the Philippians in chapter 3, verses 8 to 9, I consider them, all of his status and the stuff that made him something in society, garbage, that I may gain Christ and be found in him. Paul had learnt that relinquishing control was the only way to really gain Christ. The dreams, emotional and physical, that we convince ourselves would bring us fulfilment, all of these Paul considered rubbish, of no value, completely worthless. He says elsewhere, I know what it is to be in need and I know what it is to have plenty. I've learnt the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, living in plenty or in want. I can do all this through him who gives me strength. Philippians 4 verses 12 to 13. Paul had learnt through his circumstances that reliance on himself would never bring security or contentment. It was only through renouncing control of his circumstances and human desires that he was found in Jesus. Paul was one of those people that took in his stride whatever life threw at him. Sometimes we might be privileged in this life to have met one of those people. These are people who surrender their lives, who don't constantly think that they just need a couple of things to change in order for life to be better. They've given up control, just like Paul, content to give all things to Jesus, to do with them what he wants. They truly say, your will be done. And in that they gain Christ and are found in him, their source of strength coming from Jesus. Jesus doesn't tell us to give up everything just once. This theme is peppered throughout his teachings. Elsewhere he says, For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will save it. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world and yet lose or forfeit their very self? Luke 9 verse 24 to 25 And whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. Luke 9 verse 23. These aren't easy words. Jesus is really turning society's thinking upside down. This isn't about chasing your dream or controlling the next decade of your life. This is about surrender. Whole, total surrender. What Jesus clearly doesn't say is, follow me and follow the desires of your heart. Chase your dreams and fit me in on the side. Work to be significant in your job, in your church life, in popularity and friendships, and then come to church and worship me. Jesus says if we want to be his disciple, his apprentice, we need to deny ourselves, take up our cross daily and follow him, to follow him wherever and however, not in doing what we want and having Jesus just on the side. The thing is, I do want Jesus, and I do want him to be my king. 
but I'm not sure I want the cost, and to be honest, I find it scary to think about giving up control. It seems easier for me to just come to church and expect God to do the transforming while I just live my life as I want. But Jesus is quite clear that without living his way, then we aren't really living. We aren't experiencing the freedom that he can bring, the freedom from this relentless pursuit of what we think will make us happy. Back in the era of the Crusades, it is said that the Knights Templar were baptised before they went off on their crusade to kill all the Jews. Hardly very godly. They were baptised in full armour, but held their sword above their head, out the water, as the rest of them were immersed. It was like they were saying, I'm happy to crucify this much, but I can't give you my all. So what is it for you or me? What are you holding out the water? What is it where you are saying to Jesus, you can have so much of me, but don't take this thing? You might find it difficult to think of one thing in particular. One way I've found helpful is to think through the things that I'm not happy to talk to God about, specifically the things about which I feel uncomfortable saying your will be done. I know it is easier to give God some areas of my life, like asking him to help with difficult relationships or my kids or my church, but other aspects make me feel anxious when saying to Jesus, here you go, take this and do whatever you like with it. Giving Jesus that much control is really scary. Scared giving it over could make me less popular, less comfortable or seemingly have less significance. This fear is probably because I don't truly trust that living his way will bring me far more fulfilment and set me free, even if that means that life is less comfortable in our society's terms. So what about you? What is it that makes you feel uncomfy when saying to God, here you go, do whatever you want with it? So where do we start? How do we put to death our own desires and truly follow Jesus? The idea can seem so daunting it's hard to know where to begin. Jesus constantly used lessons from nature, and this is no exception. Very truly I tell you, Jesus said, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. Anyone who loves their life will lose it, while anyone who hates their life in this world will keep it for eternal life. John 12, verses 24 to 25. All around us in nature, we see this pattern of death, burial and resurrection. Seeds die, fall to the ground and then new life occurs. Just the same with the spiritual. The unhelpful desires must die and be buried in order for new life to grow. The daily recognition of these things that we are holding on to, that we can't seem to give to Jesus and a giving of them up will allow us to have new life, to be born again and grow. And just like the growth of a seed, the process isn't quick. Most of the time we can't see it. Yet it can grow into an enormous plant like a mustard tree. The benefits far outweigh the sacrifice. Our normal way of making changes to our lives is by grit, determination and willpower. And we might think that this is where we start, believing that we need to knuckle down and get on with it. Surely if we read scripture, listen to podcasts, pray a lot and maybe even fast, we will get there. Certainly plenty of value in these spiritual disciplines, but I can see that in my own life, this has been another area that I've tried to control. Not only have I tried to control my dreams, also been trying to control my spiritual transformation. Quite frankly, it's been exhausting. When I think about the analogy Jesus used of dying, maybe I've been getting it all wrong. I wonder if death to self is less active than passive. 
I haven't been with anyone who's died and obviously haven't experienced it myself, but I wonder if dying is less like grasping for control and more like giving into it. We can't make ourselves die. Dying happens to us. Is death to self similar? Rather than trying by determination to control where my life is headed and also my own spiritual transformation, maybe death to self is more about handing it over, leaving the worry with God and accepting who I am right now and what circumstances I am in. This came home to me the other day whilst I was battling in my mind over some thoughts which I knew were unhelpful and sinful. I was raging against them, knowing that God didn't like the way I was thinking, and neither did I. And yet, however much I seemed to pray about it, they didn't go away. I tried to break down in my mind the reasons for my feelings, hoping that if I could just understand where they came from, I could master them and think like Jesus. I was trying to control how I was feeling, and I was failing miserably. It then dawned on me that these thoughts were probably never going to go away that no matter what I do, I probably won't ever understand them, and God doesn't promise that by prayer they'll be removed. I remember that Jesus asked me to give everything to him, renounce all that I have, even the way I was thinking right then. So that's what I did. I simply gave them to Jesus, asked him to do what he wanted with them. Wrestling with the destructive thoughts was necessary to help me see me as I am, but ultimately I needed to give the thoughts to God, accept his forgiveness and relinquish control. In this life, I'm never going to be perfect. I'm never going to completely remove my anxiety, my problems and my destructive habits. I can put things in place which help me see them in a different way through reading, meditation and prayer. But ultimately, to surrender to Jesus, I have to give these thoughts to him. The acceptance and joy I felt as the burden of control was lifted was so freeing made me appreciate the forgiveness of God anew and allowed me to accept who I was and what was happening. The beauty of Jesus is that he knows that by renouncing all aspects of our life, then we will be truly free, resting in the knowledge that God has it all. There's no judgment, only love. I cannot will myself to stop worrying, to stop feeling negatively about someone or something, but I can put it to death by handing it over and allowing Jesus to do the work. Maybe some areas of your life just seem too big and massive to hand over to God. I know I struggle with the need to be significant. I want to be thought of as doing a great job, as serving Jesus well, important within my family and within my church. Yet this need for significance seems so big and massive, I don't know where to start in putting this to death. But that's the beauty of handing it to Jesus. So once I give it to him, then he can start to help. He doesn't expect me to do it myself. And this is why he asks us to hand it over daily. Note what Jesus said in Luke 9:23: Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross daily, follow me. This isn't a one-off event. This is a daily surrender because we aren't going to master it in a day. I find it helpful to picture a cardboard box that I write on or fill with the thing that's hard to surrender. And then in my mind's eye to imagine myself giving that box to Jesus saying, here you go. Do whatever you want with it. I don't find it easy, but I know that over time, by doing this on a daily basis, Jesus will help me reduce the value I put on them and help me to rely on him. Jesus knows what we need. He doesn't need us to be articulate. He just asks us to bring the box. 
I've started to do this at night before I go to sleep. I review my day with God, think about the areas I've been close to him and the areas I've been far away. And then I think through what I've held on to that day, what's been important to me and what I've clung to that I wouldn't want God to take away. And then I put that in the box and give it to him. Slowly over time, I believe he will use this surrender to help me loosen my grip on the things I try to control. Paul says, I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. Paul had put to death this way of living, the need to control his own life and his own importance. In so doing, he said that he no longer lives, but Christ lives in him. Christ promises to live in us too. And this will happen as we surrender the pressure to control our lives. The pressure that says we need status or significance in the eyes of others. The pressure that says we won't be anyone without certain possessions or lived experiences. And the pressure that says we need to control our own transformation to be like Jesus. All these pressures are gone when we give them to Jesus. He has experienced this need to control just like us. And he asks us to share his yoke with him. When we learn to daily put them at his feet, we will not fall apart when we land on the squares of life that take away our dreams or when we lose in the world's eyes at the game of life. Instead, we will know freedom, being daily renewed and able to truly experience the peace which transcends understanding. Thanks for joining us on the Press On podcast. You've been listening to Miranda Peel. For more, you can visit pressonjournal.org.